This sermon is brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. As you listen, we hope that you enjoy it and that it helps you in your walk. Please visit our website in the information below and drop us a message. We would love to hear from you. Good evening. Before I begin, if right now in your life you are truly satisfied and perfectly content with where you are at in your walk with God, if bliss, like a happy butterfly, is at home inside of you, and the slightest intrusion into your comfort zone would irrevocably disrupt the workings of your mind in an unforgivable, uncomfortable, and uncouth way that you are absolutely opposed to, that I would advise you to listen no further. I am Pastor Tanner Sherlock, and it is my incumbent duty to share with you a message, a message which begs telling, though not many may ever care to hear it, the importance of this message may not seem pertinent, and indeed, few may ever find that they are able to stomach it once it is told. But I am charged to record these challenging words. If you are already shifting in your chair and cannot handle the anticipation, perhaps it would be best for you to leave the ballroom and pick another more pleasurable ministry. Perhaps one run by a sweet, perfect, married couple who are quick-witted, better-looking, and fun to be around, even if they are a little overly fond of cats. But I must begin, you have been warned, and the following is the first forlorn file in the series of Unfortunate Offenses. <clears throat> yeah. Courtney wrote that. That's why it sounded smarter. An American Christian is oftentimes associated with words like gun toting or God fearing or uh, a lot of times the word Republican or it's usually in the same sentences as I'm a God fearing, gun toting, truck driving, whatever. More often than not, in American Christianity, they're associated with each other. Am I wrong? More often than not, you see that. And I'm specifically talking about in American Christianity. In American Christianity, uh, American Christian home, oftentimes the word Democrat is considered a swear word. This is American Christianity. Oftentimes, um, taking a political opinion and being blatantly disrespectful to the other side in voicing that opinion is often associated with an American Christian. Oftentimes taking an offense whenever someone is different in their political leanings or in their different or in their political opinions oftentimes is then met with a criticism or a angry tirade in which they just need to get it off their chest this one time. That's American Christianity. Oftentimes when our government or our president does something we disagree with, it is often in turn met with a political post on Facebook or a political conversation around the dinner table. I can't count how many times I heard the words, I hate Obama, come out of a Christian, American Christian's mouth. And today I'm going to explain to you why as a Christian, you do not have the right to take up a political offense. Offense here means annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult or disregard for oneself or one standard of principles. So to put it another way, you are not allowed to take up political resentment. As, an, as, a, as a Christian, you are not allowed to take up a political resentment. We all know too, uh, too well the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so today I'm going to share the parable of the Good Samaritan with you. If you've heard it before, awesome. I've got a little bit of a twist, so it'll be new to you. If you've never heard it before, I encourage you, find it in your Bible. 
but I'm going to read it anyway. So this is the American Christian version, America, of the, the Good Samaritan parable. On one occasion, an American Christian stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a Christian was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A pastor happened to be going down along the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Republican, when he came to the place and saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Democrat, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man in his own Prius, brought him to the hotel, and took care of him. The next day, he took out $200 and gave it to the hotel clerk. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you might have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the Christian who fell in the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The reason why I wanted to share it like this tonight is because oftentimes, like I said, associated with the American Christianity is, uh, and just honestly, just straight up the American. Oftentimes what's associated with Americans is whenever anybody takes up a political leaning that's opposite of you, there's always just attacks and anger and frustration that is associated with even just trying to have a conversation with somebody from a different political leaning than you. And so you can interchange the word Republican and Democrat within what I just read, but it doesn't matter what side you fall on, you always see people arguing and vilifying themselves or, or vilifying the other party and trying to say that the other party is evil and trying to say that the other party is, is ignorant or the other party is, doesn't care about people the, the same way as you care about people. It doesn't matter. Regardless of affiliation, we are all guilty politically of, of, of treating the other side with that same kind of resentment. And so, in my honest opinion, as America continues to get worse and worse, and that is my opinion, that America continues to get worse and worse, the faults with America don't lie with the other party. And I'm not even going to say what party I'm affiliated with or what party any of you guys might be affiliated with, but oftentimes we blame the downfall on America with the other party. But the thing is, the downfall of America began when American Christians bought into the lie that it was okay to be offended. As soon as American Christians across the board, Christian, Christianity in America, as soon as we bought into the lie that it's okay to be offended, that began the downfall of, of America. We've bought into it hard and, and full on. No matter what side of the political spectrum you lean on, you've bought into it and you've blamed the downfall of America on the other side or on the crazy dude that just got elected or the, the oppressive person that might have just got elected. If you have ignored my previous warning and have since regretted your decision of not leaving, there is still time. 
It is blissful if, if the blissful butterfly in you has turned into a squirmy, unsettling feeling in your stomach. If you have reached the point where you are close to running from here and returning to your dorm room, where the sanctuary of a pillow fort and the therapeutic side of Netflix loading screen awaits you like a warm hug, if you feel so compelled to flee that your feet are already poised toward the door and your ears are unwilling to hear another word of the unfortunate offense I've already begun unraveling, I would not blame you for departing at this very moment because what is yet to come is even more shocking than what you have just heard because what I'm about to say will ruffle some feathers. To ruffle feathers here means to cause confusion, agitation, irritation, or annoyance. It does not literally mean that I will walk up to some of you and disarrange some of your feathers. God put Donald Trump in office. God also put Barack Obama in office. Oftentimes in American Christianity, we use the term God put someone in office not as a statement, but as a slap in the face to the other party. But when in reality, whatever party they lean on, God put them in place. We know this because of Romans 13.1, which says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So it is quite redundant to state that God put Trump in the office. Redundant here means able to be omitted without loss of meaning or function. It is redundant because as Christians, we know that God has established the authorities. But beyond that, it is also unnecessary because it is only stated by a Christian as a direct slap to those who didn't vote for who they voted for and not meant as an informative declaration. So tonight we're going to continue in 1 Timothy 2.1. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Wait a second. Did you guys hear that? It says we should pray for those in authority so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. For some reason here, it's associating politics with peaceful and quiet lives. I would never associate the word peaceful and politics in the same dictionary, let alone within the same line of Scripture, within the same passage of Scripture. And it is saying here that we should be praying for our leaders so that we can live peaceful lives. And I know that you guys are all tired of hearing about politics. I'm tired of hearing about politics. I'm tired of talking about politics. But tonight, I'm not really talking about politics, am I? If you've been listening, you've been catching on to the subtle things I've been saying, and you realize that this sermon isn't about politics. It's about something much bigger than that. So how many of you guys feel that we are actually living in the end times or close to them by a show of hands? Good percentage of you guys. I, I would say I honestly feel like we are living near to the end times. And so... Let's continue in Matthew 24:10. At that time many will turn away from the faith. The word here for faith or the word here for turn away from the faith is scandalon. And it can in Greek literally be translated to being offended. So it could also read at this time many will be offended and will betray and hate each other. Verse 11. 
And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm in the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So right here we know for a fact that Jesus is talking about Christians. The reason we know Jesus is talking about Christians is because it says, continue to stand firm. In order to continue standing firm, you have to be standing firm in the first place, which that applies to Christians. And so when we read this, I'm going to reread this, understand that this is talking about Christians. And I'm going to insert the word offended instead. So at this time, many will be offended and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Still talking about Christians. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. So Jesus is literally warning us that as we approach end times, that many Christians will fall away. And the word many here actually implies more than 51%. And so it is saying, as end times approach, many people will begin to fall away. Many people will be offended. Many people will betray each other. Many people will be be deceived. And many people's love will grow cold for one another. And I truly do believe that as you read this scripture, it does read in order. And it's saying that at the root of Christians growing old, at the root of scandalon, or at the root of Christians growing old, at the root of Christians betraying each other, hating each other, is scandalon, which is offense. So at the very root of it all is offense. The word scandalon here, like I said, can be translated as offense, but it also can be translated as a snare. And if it's not God putting you in a snare, then who is it? And so if the word offense also means a snare, Who's the one putting you in the snare? Or as John Bevere says it, offense or scandal on is quite literally the bait of Satan. It is Satan baiting you out and trying to capture you and put you into a snare of offense. You get caught. You go down the path. It gets worse. Eventually, your love grows cold. Some of you guys are suffering from offense and you don't even realize it. You might be sitting here thinking, yeah, okay, this doesn't really apply to me. But think about it this way. Who's that one person when every time you see them, you absolutely avoid them? You look away and pretend like they aren't even near you. Who's that one person that every time you see them at Walmart, you purposely go out of your way 10 aisles over just so you don't run into them? Who's that one person when every time you see them, you think, crap, not this guy, not this girl. I can guarantee every single one of you has at least one person in your lives that is popping into your brain right now. At the root of that is an offense. You are holding an offense to that person. And I don't care how horrible of a thing that person did to you, because you might be sitting here saying, oh, but you don't know what that person did to me. It doesn't matter what that person did to you, because at the very root of that is still an offense. And an offense is a choice that you have to make. And if you choose to be offended by that person, then you are choosing to give that person more authority and more power over your life than they deserve. And so if you are offended by that person, they hold power over you. And they don't deserve that power. 
And no matter how big or no matter how small the offense really is, offense taints your walk with Christ. An offense taints your witness to the gospel. Offense taints your relationship with God overall. Please put your cell phones away and put them on their appropriate volumes. Just kidding. So what is a political offense? We're going back to the politics part of it. So what exactly is a political offense then? A political offense is when somebody who disagrees with you on the way that our, our government or our schools or our health care or our government or our military should run, anybody who disagrees with you, and you allow that argument to boil over to a point in which you dislike that person or you can't stand that person or you absolutely avoid that person, that's a political offense. How much different would our political arena be in America if every time you disagreed with somebody politically, instead of having a rant and raving and fighting, instead of fighting with somebody over the issues of abortion, instead of arguing with somebody about the the legalization of drug use, instead of being offended by the people who want to bring back torture or people who burn down buildings in the name of equal rights, instead of taking offense to that, instead you tried to reason with them, but at the same time you also sympathized with them, empathized with them, prayed for them, and tried to understand where they were coming from on their beliefs. How much different would the political arena be in America? How much more tolerable would the political arena be in America if we, even just as Christians, took that stance instead of posting that one more rant, that one more rave because, oh, I've been quiet so long and I just, I need to get this off my chest. Instead of posting that, what if instead you prayed for them? How much different would Christians be viewed upon as in our country if we took that stance instead? How much different would the world's political arenas be if we just simply had that look and empathized and prayed for and above all else loved the person we disagreed with? Because to be honest, one of the greatest things about America is that I, I have the freedom to disagree with you. I have the freedom also to to hate you. I have the freedom to hate absolutely everything about you. I have the freedom to take offense of every single thing that makes you you. I have those freedoms in America. I have the freedoms to call you names. I have the freedoms to to hate you with every, every fiber of my being. And I have the freedom to wish, not inflict, but wish harm upon you. But how many of us know that just because we have the freedom in our country to do those things, that God's telling us true freedom doesn't come from those things? True freedom comes from when I choose to love you instead. True freedom comes from when I choose to forgive you. And speaking of forgiving, how many times does the Bible say we should forgive someone every day that they offend us? What is it, 7 times 77? I did the math on that. 7 times 77 equals to about once every three minutes. 
So if you offend me once every three minutes, and that includes while I'm sleeping, I'm still asked to forgive you for those offenses. Jesus is commanding us still to forgive in those instances. And so tonight, I want to challenge you guys to do a couple things. First off, I, I really, honestly, couldn't care less what your political leanings are here tonight. I want you to pray for Donald Trump. Second of all, again, I don't care what your political leanings are. I want you to pray for former President Barack Obama. And then I want you to pray for the people you politically disagree with here on this campus. I know everybody probably has that one person which you've been in an argument with or that one person who maybe you haven't argued against them, but they're extremely vocal and their opinion is the exact opposite of yours. You know that person. You know who I'm talking about. I want to challenge you this week to be praying for that person. And then also, I want you to seriously, seriously consider that before every or before any time you post anything that could be deemed political or offensive or in the face of anybody else, I want you to stop and I want you to pray about it. And when I say pray about it, about all these things, I'm not saying pray about it as in, hey, I, pr- I pray that person will agree with me. Or, hey, I pray that person will believe what I say and take on my views. That's not what I'm saying. When I say pray for those people, I'm saying pray for them that they would be blessed. Pray for them that they would prosper, that God would prosper them, that God would care for them, that God would love for them, not for them to agree with you politically. Because that implies that your political opinion is more important than God's own love for them. It is not our job to fix the offenses of other people. It is our job to choose not to be offended. Because the only person that has a right to be offended is God. Because the non-Christian has offended God in the same way as the Christian has offended God. You have offended God just as much as the person who believes the exact opposite of you politically. The offense is still the same, and God is the only one who gets to be offended. It is not your job to be offended. And so tonight, my sermon was pretty short, pretty straightforward, pretty uneventful. But over the next four weeks, we're going to be, well, three weeks, three more weeks, we're going to be talking about more in-depth offenses, bigger offenses, more pertinent offenses, but that doesn't take away from this offense. Because in America right now, whether you're involved in it or not, the political arena is easily the most heated, the most, most aggressive, and the most talked about topic going on right now. Because there are so many people that disagree with what policies Donald Trump is putting into office. And there's so many people who are absolutely 100% behind Donald Trump blindly just because he's a Republican. Right now, like I said, I don't care where you line politically. Tonight I'm not telling you where I align politically. What I am telling you is Donald Trump is your president. He is in authority over you according to God. And it is your duty as a Christian to be praying for him. And like I said, praying for him doesn't mean that he would align with your will. Praying for him means that he would be doing God's will. 
that God would bless him, and that God would have a relationship with him. And so I don't care where you align politically. And so to close tonight, it was a simple night. I want to remind you guys first before I finish off, find someone who comes to Chi Alpha, who used to come to Chi Alpha regularly, who's maybe been here a couple times but stopped coming back this semester, or the semester has just lost them somehow. Find them, encourage them, talk to them, have a conversation with them, and see if they can come back to Chi Alpha. Maybe they just forgot to come. Maybe it's something deeper. Maybe there's something going on. Because oftentimes the reason people stop coming is because they're hurt. And so I want you guys to be with them in, in their hurt. And even if they don't come back to Chi Alpha, that's not the goal. The goal is to, to make sure that they're not hurt. So to finish off, with so many unfortunate offenses that occur in life, just because you don't realize you aren't harboring an offense doesn't mean that it isn't so. Harbor here means to keep a thought or feeling, typically a negative one, in one's mind, especially secretly, because sometimes the biggest offense is closer to us, both emotionally and in proximity, than we ever care to realize. Tonight, help out. Let's pray. Uh, sorry, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to talk about something that is so charged in America that so many people hold so close to their heart right now. So many people who don't agree with us, who, who aren't Christians, whose viewpoints are the exact opposite of us, that we have the opportunity right now to sympathize, to empathize, and to love those who disagree with us. And we don't have to take an offense just because they disagree with us. And at the same time, we don't have to justify our positions in why we believe what we believe according to what the Bible tells us. It's not our job to defend you. It's not our duty to defend you. We simply just have to let you loose and to stop putting you in a box. And so I pray that every student here would have an opportunity to hear somebody else's passion, to hear somebody else's hurts, to hear somebody else's opinion politically this week and not get offended and in return care for them, show them that they love them and actually empathize with them. I pray that every student here tonight will get the opportunity to be face-to-face -face with somebody who disagree, disagrees with them 100% on every political issue so that they have an opportunity to show that person love and to not try to defend themselves and to not tell those people that they're wrong or anything like that, but instead to show them love. And so, Lord, I, t I pray tonight that you would protect these students as they go from here, as they encounter people who disagree with them, as they have to engage in the political arena in this country because it's such a hot topic that you would protect them and that you would bless these students and that they would be fruitful in sharing the gospel and that they would have the courage to share the gospel. Lord, we pray for those students who haven't been here this semester, who have stopped coming. Lord, I pray that you would align them with one of these students who are here. No matter how bad they're hurting, no matter how much in their life is going wrong, that these students here could reach out to them and, and just show them how much they care for them. And Lord, we thank you, and above all else, it's in your name we pray. Amen.